Hello and welcome to MDD's next claims interview. Today, under the microscope, we have Suzanne Liversich from Kennedy's. Hello, Suzanne. Morning, Barry. I hope you're well and bearing up under the strain of COVID. Today, we're really interested to hear about what you're up to and um, how you're getting on at Kennedy's. So tell us first how you came to be in the insurance industry. It's a good question, actually, because I think it was by accident rather than by design. When I went to university, I actually did a marketing degree and fell into the law because it was an option. So I ended up with a a law degree at, at the same time, which took me into the world of being a lawyer. And when I joined the the law firm, there were various divisions and I was placed in insurance. And I loved it. I loved the variety. I loved the complexity of the work. It was so different every day. And if you've spent any time trying to do wills and probate or conveyancing, I can assure you, Barry, you would always use insurance. So I actually just fell in love with it from the very beginning as an area of law and an area of the market that I was interested in. I could relate to, you know, I could relate to the issues that were arising. So I think from a very early stage, I was an insurance lawyer through and through. Oh, well, that's encouraging to hear. So although you came into the industry by accident, which seems to be the way everybody comes into the industry, you found your home pretty quickly. So I read recently that you'd made Managing Partner. Tell us a little bit about this title and and the role you perform. Yeah, that was a a surprise for me when it happened. So an absolute honour to be asked by the board to fulfil that role. I'm not really one for titles, but I guess from the global managing partners role that I have, it's oversees the operational function of the whole business, which is, you can imagine, quite a challenge with two and a half thousand people and 24 countries and 40 something officers. It, It keeps you really busy. The other aspect of my role is really to support the senior partner and the board in relation to the overall strategy. In reality, it's a pick and mix of everything. I have a very varied work schedule, a very busy one, but it's, again, as I said before, it's so varied, it's enjoyable in in every way, shape and form because I work with all my colleagues across the world now, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I think those global roles are great fun because you mix with so many different cultures and people. It can be very fulfilling, I'm, I'm certain. Being in a leadership role, I wonder what you enjoy most about that, especially the managerial part as against the leadership part. So what's your view on the pieces that you enjoy most? It's a good question, actually. I mean, any job like this can be challenging as either a manager or a leader. But for me, I guess the greatest pleasure is what you hit upon earlier, that working with the diverse range of people. You know, every day you're interacting, say, with somebody in Colombia or Peru or Sheffield, as you know, my hometown. And I I love the fact that in terms of the management of that role, it, it gives me access. From a leadership perspective, I think the thing I enjoy most is seeing the growth and enjoying the success of my colleagues as well as the success of the firm. I think in a leadership position, you have that privilege of being able to play a part in both the growth of the whole organisation and everybody else's opportunities. And, And I think a good leader bathes in the success of others and enjoys it and does it for them rather than their own self motivation. So for me, watching how the business has grown, and again, I play a part in that, but a number of people play a part, I think gives me the greatest pleasure in my leadership role. Well, I think one of the reasons probably why you're very successful in your role, Suzanne, is that infectious enthusiasm that you bring to the business, which always impresses 
So, uh, Suzanne, with a global role, the, the pandemic must have affected your ability to travel. So how have you managed the need to connect with colleagues and, and clients through the pandemic? Well, the pandemic has been a shock to the system for all of us, hasn't it? But you, you know me very well. And thank you for saying my infectious enthusiasm. It's hard to have that when you're sat in a room on your own, isn't it, in Sheffield or wherever you may be. So I think it's affected me in terms of not being face to face with people and enjoying that travel, you know, to get amongst people and be me part of them. However, I would say that with the technology, I've actually seen a lot of my global colleagues far more, you know, because we're on Teams or Zoom or whatever it may be that you're using. And we've actually made a real effort to try and connect in with each other. So whilst it's affected my ability to travel, I've found that the technology has given us great connectivity. And sometimes I've seen people that I would only see once or twice a year, say in Singapore, that I'm seeing them every month. And we've tried to make the best of a difficult situation. The reality is, whilst I do not miss at all the East Midlands train down to London every day, I do miss the travel element of actually being in the offices and being part of our community and our Kennedy's family across the world. So I think we'll all be very grateful when we can return to that environment. Although, you know, let's face it, it's it's still always going to be perhaps different to how it used to be. The harnessing the technology is critical to getting it right and making sure that you are obsessive about keeping in contact with your people and your clients. And I think we've all tried very hard to do that over the last 12 months. Otherwise, you'd go stir crazy at home, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. It's important to have that obsession to try and keep in contact with clients. How you do it, obviously, is key. Clearly, email traffic is a real challenge for, for clients because they're seeing so much. So we will have to find new and inventive ways to keep in contact and keep their interest. Sort of moving on a little bit, MDD enjoys a really good relationship with Kennedy's and we've seen them become one of the leading lawyers in the marketplace. What's the feeling within the company about its success and the opportunity for future growth? Well, we're incredibly proud of our number one status, really, this industry as the lawyers and long may that continue. I think the important thing for us is not to get any complacency. As you say, we've got a great relationship with your organisation and with insurers around the world, but we can never sit back and bathe in our own glory. We've got to have an eye on the road ahead. So I think growth continues to be a key part of our strategy. I mean, we've actually opened offices even in lockdown, so nothing's really going to hold us back, including actually, I think your football team's hometown in Leedsbury. We were proud to get a Yorkshire office flag going in January of this year, but it's always important to be looking ahead. And I think that for Kennedy's, we're delighted with our success to date, but we will never sit back and take that for granted. In terms of wanting to be the number one leading law firm in the insurance industry globally, you've always got to be one step ahead, right? And, And that's our job, to get one step ahead but do it in a way that keeps us as Kennedys, keeps our culture and values, keeps us hopefully the nice feel firm that we have in terms of authenticity. So it's all happening in Yorkshire. We'll talk about the football in a little while. I didn't want to depress you too early in the conversation. We'll, We'll save that to near the end when you're running out of steam and I can take advantage of you. 
you know, the one thing about Kennedy's that really has always impressed me is the ability to access the the leadership, especially Nick Thomas and Nick Williams, and their ability not only to manage the business, but manage client issues. How do you think they do this? Well, it's a really good question. I mean, they are particularly extraordinary, talented individuals, not only, as you know, probably the best insurance lawyers in the market, but they're so good at understanding the issues that the market faces, looking ahead, as you say, and being that trusted advisor. But because they both started out, the two Nicks, as trainees, you know, in Kennedy's when it was a little office some time ago, they've grown up and have kept that personal touch and kept in touch with the core values. I would always just say they just really care about Kennedy's and their people. So they always find time to manage and lead. The other element, Barry, as you well know, as being a leader yourself, they they just have to work very, very hard as a result. Mm -hmm. But if you put the two things together of having probably one of the greatest talents plus caring and being able to lead people and people wanting to follow them, you've just got something formidable. What I am pleased to say is Kennedy's is is full of Nicks around the world now, albeit they may be called Nicola and other names. They're our forefathers, aren't they? And my favourite story about the two Nicks is when we opened in Copenhagen, I went to the office opening of the new office and and it's a very trendy office, right? Very trendy a cool office in Copenhagen and they've got a big fish tank with two fish in it and I, I, I admired them greatly to which the office managing partner Morton said yeah they're, they're called Nick and Nick so they're two beautiful fish but they're Nick and Nick and you know Worm <laughs> is proud of them and, and we've created an environment around their hard work and how they set out their stall to replicate that across the world and as I say we've got plenty others now that work across the world that are making the difference. Well, you know, great story. And it is impressive. Whenever I've tried to speak to either of them, they've always taken the call. They always seem to have time for you. And that's pretty impressive. It's that accessibility, isn't it, Barry, in terms of, I think some people make themselves inaccessible. And I think that the more you become a senior leader and advisor, the more accessible you have to be. You have to not sit in your ivory tower. You have to make yourself available because if you want to be that leader then you have to do something that makes people want to follow you as I say and locking the door and not being available to clients or people that work for you is not going to work now and certainly in modern day times that command and control has gone and I think the Knicks have always had that style you know they've always had that style of accessibility and just caring. Do you know what I'm so with you on this it's absolutely for me essential that if you want to be that sort of leader, lead an organization like Kennedy's or or, or whoever of of that sort of size, you've got to want to talk to your people. You've got to want to listen. And, you know, it would be quite unique these days to see anybody get to the top of the tree who, who wasn't really that willing to listen or wasn't willing to have their door open. I just think these days you'd find it very difficult to get there because it's such an important part of the role these days. That's right, Barry. And I've got a good anecdote there, really, of my experience. So I've been at Kennedy's, what, 11 years? And I met Nick Thomas. Nick Thomas was the first person I met. I was going to, considering joining them with, with my team, who was quite a sizable team, I think it was 70, 74 of us. So it's a big thing. And they said, I'll meet you at St Pancras Station. It's all very exciting in the Champagne Bar, which is a great pleasure for me. <laughs> and, and I sat down, and you know him, and he sat down with a, a little booklet that said Kennedy's Core Values. And he looked at me and he handed me the booklet and said, read that. And he said, and if that is you and who you are, let's talk. And he said, and if it isn't, 
it was a pleasure to meet you. And <laughs> the interview lasted 10 minutes. I said, integrity, you know, all the respect, all the different things that were so important to him. And that was it. And that is the culture of many of them. And I think that's why people want to join Kennedy's because whilst we work hard and we consider ourselves the best in the world in the work that we do and aspire to continue to be that, you know, they're a nice bunch of people, aren't they? And so you can say that accessibility uh, and, and both Nicks will always say there isn't a partner around the world that they wouldn't be happy to sit and have a pint with, you know, and, and be friends with. So creating that environment, even though you get very large, like two and a half thousand people, uh, is, is testament to, to that behaviour. And I think that those firms that have those behaviours and those core values really will be far more successful in the future than those that don't adapt. You know, so another great story. And what you're really talking there about is is the culture of the business. And and that culture you see when you come into the reception at Kennedy's, you see it with the receptionist. And culture, as we all know, is really set by leadership. And so it's very transparent what sort of business the leadership wants and they're being very successful. So it's fantastic. I say a great story and, and it just reinforces some real positives around the, the way your business is being run. So let's go somewhere else just for a second. You know, the industry has changed so much since the first female broker in the 1970s. Diversity in all sorts of ways has become so important. What's your view on the progress? Well, I'm always a cut path full girl anyway. So I, I think we've made great progress since I've been in the profession, which was in the early 1990s, it's really moved on. And I think of things in our industry, say, for example, like diving, we've sponsored that this year, the gold sponsors globally. And just the connectivity and the amount of engagement was incredible. And the content was incredible compared to if I'd gone back 20 years ago and thought, will I ever in my career sit listening to this amongst my peers? I thought, no way. So for me, I think Whilst there's a long way to go, I always look at the road ahead and I think that we've made great effort. And it's not just a buzzword now, is it, around diversity or equality. I think people are genuinely committed to it. And whilst there's always more we can do, at least we're brave enough to have the conversations. And like I say, I think I'm the first female global managing partner of a law firm. That's quite incredible, isn't it, that it's taken till now. You're seeing plenty follow. I think there's also some great female leaders in insurance, such as Amanda Blanc, who really have, have set the scene. And, and organisations such as the ISC, which we're involved in, that are driving forward female leadership in the insurance industry. And beyond that, the wider diversity agenda in terms of making sure that our industry is accessible to all, where everybody can not only survive, but thrive. And I think there's a deep commitment now amongst organisations to get there and get there faster than ever before. And long may that continue, but also I'll do anything I can to help organisations do that. I think we all need to be able to help each other get there. I've seen enormous change since I started back in the industry in the early 80s. I just reflect on two recent things for me, working at MDD today and Marsh up until MDD, the enthusiasm and the direct action taken by those organizations to embrace all types of diversity is so positive compared with where I started from many years ago. And it's such a great story, isn't it? I mean, Barry, in the industry, it's such a great story that that's changing. It's not a buzzword. It's just a a real pleasure. I think back, a, a, a brief anecdote for me. So there I am, young Suzanne, starting out 
in the insurance profession, a uh, legal profession, sorry, in my early days as a, a trainee solicitor, which would have been 1991, dare I say. And the male trainees went to the pub on a Friday and I was given the money from them to go and buy their fish and chips for when they got back because <laughs> I was the female trainee. <laughs> my job was to get the fish and chip money whilst they went for a pint. And, uh, you know, I never questioned it. I never questioned it. And I look back now thinking that is just the most random thing to have ever happened. But, you know, yeah. I come from that era, you know, like you, that, that my first day at work, I was told what skirt I had to wear, for example. And, and we've come such a long way. But when we look around us, we, we all look too similar still and we need to do far, far more. Yeah. Well, the, the world has changed. And personally, I'm really pleased to see the change that's occurred, but still more to happen, I'm sure. Let's just talk about being a lawyer for a second. In your opinion, what do you think it takes to make a good lawyer? A good question, actually, because... Um, a good lawyer. Well, a, a lawyer probably needs to be able to have to be bright and able to think laterally. Certainly, you've got to be able to think on your feet. But a really good lawyer, in my view, has to have great people skills, deep market understanding. You know, you've got to understand the business you're advising, not just the law that you're advising upon. And an ability to not only absorb a lot of information, but to be decisive. Good lawyers are decisive. They don't sit on a fence and say, mm, you could do this or that. They give clear direction. Then a really good lawyer, if I'm focusing on that, has to be a Kennedy's lawyer. I would say that. To be a Kennedy's lawyer, you also have to hold true to our values and care and do the right thing. And doing the right thing is very important. And the, the leaders in the law firms have to be selfless. I think those ingredients as you go through your career are, are very important. But working hard is the ethos of, of everybody, isn't it, that's a successful at whatever profession or career or job that you undertake. Enjoying it and working hard at it are the two key ingredients to making you good at it. Mm. I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, Suzanne. I've worked through my career with a number of lawyers on very difficult matters. At the end of the day, what their clients expect is the best advice and sometimes that best advice is stop, give up, move on. Yeah, that means as lawyers, we're not going to be getting any fees, but actually that's the right advice. And insurers can see very clearly through the mist the advice they're receiving. And, it, and it's a fool who, who believes that they can find a way to prolong things to their own benefit. I'm not saying that happens. I'm just saying it's an area where, as a lawyer, you have to be very careful. And the best lawyers are very good at giving the best advice, which can sometimes be carry on because, you know, you stand a very good chance and it's the right thing to do. But as I say, sometimes it's stop, give up, move on. When I was saying, Barry, about the Knicks and that trusted advisor, it's far more than being a, a bright lawyer. It's your trusted advisor. And I always used to say to people that work for me, I said, just imagine it's your own money. What are you going to do? You know, you've got to think about the shareholders as well as anything else in this. And what is the right thing to do? And it, it may have to be very bold and it may not be what your client wants to hear, but it's what they should do. And it's having that conviction, isn't it, to be the advisor. Yeah, definitely. And we talk at MDD about being a trusted advisor. That's where you're trying to get to. So let's talk about your career just a second, you know, being a lawyer, 
What have been the greatest influences for you and, and why? My first real influence was probably my father, if I'm honest, because I grew up in a family where n- no generation of female above me had ever been to university, etc. So it was a new area for me in terms of going into a profession. Funny enough, my father wrote me a little book called The Quest for Happiness. So he left home and no longer lived with us when I was about 11. Obviously, I saw him regularly, but he always felt that he needed to tell me stories. So he wrote it in a book instead and had it published for me and my two brothers, which is very sweet. And that's always influenced me because even now I read those chapters on, you know, when the going gets tough, you put on your marathon smile and you get on with it and always take time to walk in other people's shoes and see how they feel before you react. Look at the intention behind people. So I think those things have really influenced me and he's been not only a great father, but a a great mentor but then I've worked with some amazing leaders uh, who have influenced me I mean you've mentioned the two Nicks in my early days I would put it the other way around and say I've also been influenced by some very bad leaders I've watched what they've done and thought I'm never going to do that because I set up quite early I was 27 when I set up my own office I nearly had nobody to follow I've had to find my own way and make mistakes so what I've tried to do really is influence myself and be me rather than trying to be someone else. That's a bit of an art because you have influencers, but I watch people in their professions try and mimic or copy the people that they've worked for, but that's not them. And finding that authentic self, finding your style, finding your own influence is really important. So in a way, I've always accepted that my blank canvas, of which I had to make lots of mistakes, set me in good stead. But I'll always thank my dad. Oh, well, that's great to hear. It is important to have positive influences in, in your life. And clearly, your father has very much affected you in a positive way. So that's fantastic. Tell us, has there been any particular high points or low points in your career that you can talk to us about? Tell us about? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, some of the high points have been lovely. I mean, you know, growing the Sheffield office, you know, I'm a Yorkshire lass. So I was always very proud of that. Um, very proud of becoming the president of the Chamber of Commerce, which I did for a, a period of time, and recently becoming managing partner. It's it's a great honour, and it's it's been an absolute privilege. Low points, oh gosh, probably had many, but you know what? I just don't look back and regret. I think that if you've got low points and you focus on them, they're distracting, and it's it's not anything you're going to change. Absolutely nothing can change. All you have to do is learn from the lows and enjoy your highs. So I just look forward to far more highs and hopefully avoid the lows. If you're in a low point or you're in a challenging point, so we all know that COVID and the lockdown, that's very challenging. Had to work very, very hard, as many have. You try and make that a positive. You try and make that uh, a high by finding a way forward and never giving up and getting something out of that never giving up feeling of changing a situation. If it's low, change it to high. And I think that's how I look at it. But plenty of lows, Barry, but I don't look back at them. And I know you're going to talk about football soon, which is going to kill me. But yeah. I want to bottle some of your positivity and sell it. You know, I reckon I could make a fortune out of it. What about aspirations for the future? For Canada's, I think it's to continue to flourish and succeed, to ensure that my colleagues are diverse and happy. We, we, we had a big chat about success because people say, oh, you know, you're successful, Suzanne. I said, well, hang on, let's just define what success is because it's not a title and it's not necessarily pay. I think they're important to people, but not the be all and end all. And for me, I consider success as being the best version of what I can be and doing what I do the best of my ability. And number two, being happy. 
if you're those two things, you are beyond successful. And then to be a successful leader is making sure everybody around you feels that too. So for me, seeing Kennedy's flourish, that continues to be all our aspiration in the business. But I also want Sheffield United to start playing proper football again, because that is a huge aspiration for me. It's not good for me at the moment. But in terms of personal aspiration, I've been getting myself much fitter in lockdown in these recent times. And you know what? I'm fancying doing a triathlon. So my personal aspiration may be that. And a few of my colleagues do that at work. But in terms of our aspirations, I think that the direction of travel that Kennedy's is in is such a good place to be. And I just long may that continue. Okay, well, we need to change the subject away from work. I want to hear uh, some more of the things that you enjoy outside of work. So what is it that you most enjoy outside of work? Well, I'm not going to talk about the football because I've laboured this on every single point because I know you're going to tease me about it. So I do love most sports. So I love sports. I play a lot. I train a lot. I do a lot of training myself. But I think outside of work, my passion in my family, all of us are passionate about cooking, actually. So in my spare time or when I'm just trying to de-stress or think about a problem, I will cook. I will obsessively watch there's a TV programme called Saturday Kitchen. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And and we obsessively cook that. And we're very excited because for the last three weeks, they pick out photographs of the best shop food and we've been on for the last three weeks. So oh. there's the excitement in the Liversidge household, let me tell you, is ridiculous when Saturday Kitchen appears and we, we have it. And l- last night we were cooking one of the dishes from Saturday and I was stood up on top of the tabletop trying to photograph it from an aerial view and I thought this is going crazy but you know what that's how I unwind food and food and drink is my passion and along with my 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 friendship so I think getting back in a pub oh my gosh I'm going to enjoy that more than anything ever uh, and I guess at this time of the year something quirky for me is we we have uh, 27 breeding news and and yesterday our first set of lambs were born and you know what I love it I love this time of year I love seeing our sheep outside. It's an absolute pleasure to see those little things bouncing around. So the simple things in life. So you've not thrown your hat into the ring to be the the next manager of Sheffield United then? Oh, no, no. I mean, if you're a true fan, you take the highs and the lows. And like I say, we've had plenty of lows and we've been very fortunate to have a few years of high and and I'm afraid it's our time to, to, to not be uh, at our best, shall we say. So I think relegation is zooming our way and hopefully we can just uh, reshape ourselves next season and uh, under new management and see where we go but yeah it's not been the greatest of years I've started watching the rugby now, Nick Thomas is a big rugby fan he's texting me saying this is a real game Suzanne so I've watched it I quite enjoyed it so maybe I'm just going to become a rugby fan instead but now I'll always be a blade you know that but I do think about Leeds a lot now because uh, my brother-in-law is obsessive Leeds and uh, he makes me watch that quite a bit at the time. They're playing quite well. So I do still get sport in my veins. Well, I'm, I'm really gutted that uh, Sheffield United look as though they're going to get relegated because uh, I remember very fondly going to Sheffield United a few years ago and meeting with you and watching Sheffield United beat Leeds. I think it was 2-0. And I was really looking forward to hopefully inviting you to Leeds to see, you know, a, a, a reverse of that. But that looks as though it's not going to happen. I think we play each other next week. But I mean, that's where in football, I always say with that, you can sort of relate it to work because as you know, I've been heavily involved in the club for a long, long time. 
and I was a deputy chair of the community foundation and uh, as well as we were sponsors and it was a great experience to get involved with how football can influence and affect community and for the better and so there's so much more to the sport but I'm afraid that the Leeds United game next week will be on our television but I'm already congratulating you Barry well played we'll see we'll see it's it's time for our traditional quick test I'm going to fire some words at you and I want you to tell me which one you most associate with. So please don't do what some of my other guests have done and try and give me a story about each answer. Just give me the word and we'll go from there. Exactly. So I told you, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to sit on the fence. A good lawyer doesn't sit on the fence. Hit it. Well, I'm very excited about the last question, but you'll have to wait until we get there. So netball. Football. TV or radio? TV. Nobody says radio these days. What a disappointment. BBC or ITV? BBC. BBC, after my own heart. Meat or veg? Meat, lamb. Work or holidays? Ooh. Work. Now, you seriously are the saddest person I've on, had on these interviews because I think everyone has said holidays. You know, we had Steve Agatha who's just taken on the role at, as claims leader at Inigo and he said holidays. We had Catherine Barron from AXA who said holidays. I, I think... I know those guys very well and it's all holiday, but you know what? Genuinely, I've got this job at the moment and it's... It's keeping me very busy and I'm enjoying it. So um, we can't go on holiday anywhere, can we? If we go on holiday now, I'm going to be stuck in sort of rainy seaside resorts. Uh, it may be different when you ask me when we can travel again abroad. But for now, I'll stick with work until we can go further. Right, let's move on. Look, 1980s or 2020s? Oh, it's 100% 80s. Yeah, everyone says 80s. Harley or Porsche? Harley. Hey, motorbike. And finally, I think this is the difficult one. Toya Wilcox or Kylie Minogue? Oh, Toya Wilcox. Absolutely. From the 80s, absolutely Toya Wilcox in concert every time. I'm a massive Toya fan, as you well know. Um, so Toya's got a top trump. If I'm going to go to a gig, the Wilcox every time. And, and I've actually seen you singing with her, which is fantastic. Yeah, I had the most amazing surprise for my 50th birthday. Um, my wife hired out a bar and had all my mates around. And then at half past nine, she suddenly turned up and she'd hired her in and got flown her in or whatever. And we did an hour's gig together, which I will never, ever get over. That was the best moment of my life ever. So yeah, mm. I think you saw the video. Well, I have to say that video is just one of the highlights of my life because it's just <laughs> hilarious things you could ever watch. That look of complete shock and surprise when Toya Wilcox takes the mask off her face and you see that behind the Toya Wilcox mask is actually Toya Wilcox. Yeah, because there's 150 friends there and they'd all got Toya Wilcox masks on. So I didn't I know. know. And I was on the stage and she was stood behind me and somebody tapped me and said, turn around because my friends were singing. And, and you know what happened next? Basically, my legs went from underneath me. Not very cool, but do you know what? It was an epic night. Certainly epic. Okay, look, as always, great answers. I think you've been a great guest this morning. We found a lot of, out about you. Tell me one thing. If you not ended up being a lawyer, what would you have been? Well, I did do something before I became a lawyer, and that's what I would have carried on doing which was I was a stand-up comedian. And I did that for a few years. My trusted father, you know, who was my advisor, said, Suzanne, you can never make money at that. Go and get yourself a profession and do it in your spare time. So still do a few little things every now and then, just for family and friends. But yeah, that's always what I wanted to be. 100% of the time, I just wanted to be that. My careers advisor at school suggested 
that was a really, really bad idea. So I didn't do it. But you know what? I still try and bring humour and fun into my life every single day and at work because if you laugh, you will be uh, much better at what you do. So long way I try and continue to be a comedian, but at work. It's been fantastic talking to you, Suzanne. As I say, a great guest. I wish you every continued success at Kennedy's and it's been great having you on. So thank you very much. Oh, it's a pleasure, Barry, and to you. You've been a great supporter and uh, and a great leader yourself to influence from. So thank you very much. And hopefully we can see each other very soon to celebrate Leeds' success. I'll take you up on that.